Right. Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Uh, today we're going to be learning Maseches Chagiga Dafkaf. We're starting about twelve lines or so down with the words Amar Rav Yonasan Ben Eliezer, and we'll be finishing at the top of Chaf Aleph Amar Aleph at the end of a Mishnah. Tomorrow, because tomorrow's blot is particularly short, we are going to learn a blot and a half tomorrow night. Daf Chaf Aleph is very very short, so we'll learn uh, instead of a Thursday and Shabbos being a blot and a half, we're going to do Wednesday and Thursday a blot and a half. Shabbos will be a drop shorter. We'll have only 45 minutes for the blood, and then we'll be all caught up. Um, and I think we're ready to go. We've been learning uh, about some scaffolded levels of Tuma, uh, the lowest of which is Chulin, followed by Meiser Sheni, and then Truma, and Kodesh, and Chatas. That's the, the five rungs that we've been dealing with. And the Chachamim put into, into place, and we'll see the wisdom of the Chachamim play out in a couple of cases in the times of the Tanaim already. The Chachamim put into place some very strict Chumras. We're going to learn three of these cases now, and then we're going to analyze these three cases to see if they pass muster with some other sources in the Tanaim. So the Gemara says on Davchaf Amad Aleph, about 12 lines down, Amar Abionis and Ben Elazar, here's case number one. Nafla ma'afarto, if a person's hat falls off, hey man, who falls off of him? And I say to you, my hat falls off. Hey, can you please give me my hat? And you pick it up and give it to me. The halacha is tmeya, that that hat is considered to be tummy. So seemingly, it, I cannot trust you in regards to your, ta, your ta, tahor status as it relates to my clothing. Case number two, Amr Ab Yonasan ben Amram. He says, Let's say I wake up very early on a Sunday morning. It's dark out, and I don't realize that I put on my Shabbos suit again. So the Gemara has a presumption that we take care of our Shabbos clothes more than we take care of our weekday clothes, a reasonable assumption, I would imagine. Um, we uh, certainly, I don't wear a hat during the week, but for those who wear a hat during the week, you look at the difference between someone's Shabbos hat and someone's weekday hat, the difference is a, a very thin but consistent layer of dust. We care more about the stuff we wear on Shabbos. So that's why Rabbi son Ben Amram says that if you inadvertently wear your clothes on uh, your Shabbos clothes on Sunday, so then they're automatically tummy. Why? It's a chumra midirabana. Nothing happened. But the reason why is because you have a bit of hesachadas. You care more about your Shabbos clothes and because you think they're Sunday clothes and not Shabbos clothes, so therefore you're tre- treating them less carefully. And the third case, Amr Rebbe Lazar Bar Tzadok, Nashim Chaveros, there are two women who were friends. Sheni lahen kilehen They went to the Beis HaMerchatz. This is not a mikvah. They just went to a bathhouse. They had, you know, some type of like shower, what? I guess, but for them, it was just kind of the minimum. It wasn't the maximums. It wasn't the luxuries of life. It was not a lot of marble, unless it was a marble of Rabbi Akiva, you know, just uh, you never know. So this is a regular Beis HaMerchatz, and they, they, they bought the same dress from the same store, and they were next to each other by the hooks, and one woman took one person's, but they switched their clothes. So in a case like that, they went to ask a Shiloh, because they were, they were makbed on the halachos of Taros to make sure that they were not metame anything. And he said, both of your clothing, both of you, your clothing is actually considered to me. So these are the three cases, the case of the hat falling off with a friend, the case of wearing the Shabbos clothes to Shul on Sunday morning, and the case of two women uh, inadvertently swapping their clothes at the, at the, uh, at the Beis HaMerchatz. And the Gemara asks on this third case, the case of Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadok, he says, hold on one second. They just switched clothes and all of a sudden everything is all problematic and there's Tuma. Why would you say that? After all, Maskifla Raboshia, Elameata, if your Svara is true, that switching clothes makes them Tame, the Chumra of these levels of of Tahara, then we have a case where that doesn't play out. Hoshid Yadol Asal, a person puts their hand inside a basket, little paschitin, and he wants to take out wheat. He wants to take out some good bread, some wheat. And he inadvertently takes out barley bread, a lower quality bread. 
So says the Gemara Hachanami de Nitmes. Would you say that just because you inadvertently switched, so your Hesach Hadas kicks in and automatically that whatever happens, it's going to be Tuma If you want to say that that's true, then we have a Brisa that goes in the face of this idea. Of course, it's not going to be Tameh because we are shel yain. A person has a, uh, a barrel and they think that it's wine. The Nimse shel shemen, and they were wrong. It was actually a barrel of oil. What does the, pas- what does the Gemara say? The Brisa says, Tahorimi Latameh. It is tahor from becoming tummy, a bit of a strange language, tahor from becoming tummy. It really, what it means, it's tahor from making other things tummy, but it means that it's tahor. So says the Gemara, wait a minute. If you're going to bring me that brysa as a proof that when things get mixed up, we don't have a concern of hesach hadas, you should finish reading the brysa. Well, the tameich, according to your rationale, really what it means, according to the source that you brought me about the mixed barrels of wine and oil, then what about the seifa? Ema seifa, what does it say? It says, you're not even allowed to eat this. So if you're going to come tell me that this Bryce is going to tell me that you can't, that it's Tahor Milatame, that's not true because at the end of the day, you're not allowed to eat it on mine. According to you, why would it then be Asertita? It must be that there's something wrong with the food. Says the Gemara, and this we're going to analyze, Amar of Yermia, Be'omer Shmarti Hamidavar Hamitame'ah, Haposla. He says, no, I had kavana. I was careful enough to make sure that it didn't become tame with something so powerful that, the, that it could make other things tame, but it itself could become puzzle. Says the Gemara, could you have Natirusa protection or could you be on the lookout for things that are only posel but not metama? This a slight distinction. What, what would be the equivalent? So we know, for example, that there are Shmona Shratzim. If I t- touch a Shmona sh- one of the Shmona Shratzim, it says an Avatuma, it makes me a Rishon. So I become Tame because of that. It's also possible that I could become Tame with something that doesn't give me the power to be Matame other things. Let's say I have a Shani Latuma. I touch a Shani. It doesn't make me a Shlishi for most things. Nothing. So then that's what the Gemara is saying over here, that the case that we're discussing, where the barrels got mixed up and you thought it was wine, but really it ended up being oil. So yeah, it is possible. Is it possible to only focus on avoiding things that are so powerful in their tuma that it makes the barrel of, uh, of wine or the barrel of oil, metame, other things, versus making it puzzle. And the Gemara says, in, yes, we could have this kind of half seas as it relates to my focus on what I'm watching to avoid tuma. We're a little bit more than halfway down on Chaf Aleph, and the Gemara says, what's the Raya dover that I could have a focus on avoiding something becoming tame to the point that it can be metame others, says the Gemara Vehatanya. The Brisa writes as follows: Hoshid Yadol Bisal. If a person reaches up and puts his hand in the basket, Vehasal Al Ksefo, so it's on my shoulder, and I reach into the basket. And there's a fork. This is a tool that was actually used when all of the figs would get stuck. They would kind of like a rake of some kind, like a small rake that would separate uh, the, the figs as they got stuck together. So the magrefa is inside the basket. My intention was to take was to take something out of the basket, but not the magrefa. What I wanted to take was that one thing, just the figs. I didn't want to touch the magrefa. So the Gemara says that the basket's fine and the magrefa is tmeya. Says the Gemara, why would you say that the basket is tahor? Hasal tahor, would you really in fact say that the basket is tahor? Says the Gemara, sit mahamagrefa lisal. Once we know that the magrefa, that this separating tool for figs has become tummy, it should make the basket usher. 
Then the Gemara lays down a, a, a response, very important halacha, in regards to Tuma Batara. It's not possible that that could happen. Even if the Magrefa was Tame, it wouldn't make the basket Tame because ain't clean it Tame clean. If I have two Kalim, one next to the other, and one of them is Tame, the Tuma doesn't automatically transfer. So it says the Gemara, fine. If you want to say that the Magrefa can't make the basket Tame, but it's touching the food, it should at very least make the figs Tame that are inside the basket. The Litma Masha Basal should make all of the figs Tame. So I'm a Ravina, and this is the, the mic drop moment for this Brisa because the Gemara verifies this concern that we had. Hey, are you able to have a, you know, Natirusa, Lepalga? Are you able to only be concerned about some type of impurities for a food? And the answer is yes. Where do we see that from Ravina? Ravina says two thirds of the way down, I did protect this food from that which can make other things tameh, but not from that which can forbid this particular food. So we see that yesh natirusa lepalga, that yes, a person can have only partial intention for, for protecting a food. Nikol makom, nevertheless, kasha, we have a, a kasha on, on our maisa. We started out in, in our third case of the day, the case where um, the case where the two women swapped clothing and we said that they're tame, yet here by the barrel, we said that they're tahorin milatame. So that's a question number one. The Odin, furthermore, the Gemara asks another question on all three of these cases. What's this other question? So that is a, a bit lengthier, and let's learn a couple of stories. Mosi Rabba Baravua, <coughs> Rabba Baravua asked the following question. A woman came to ask a shayla from Rabbi Shmuel about Tumah Vitaro. What was the case? She said, Rabbi, this is a garment that I uh, stitched, that I put together. I, I sewed it up and I did it Vitaro. I was not a Nida, I was not a Zava, all is well. But deep in my heart, I wasn't thinking about keeping it tar. So she, she doesn't know that she did anything wrong, but she didn't have the intent of actually focusing. This was the injunction that the rabbis put in to make sure that she wouldn't do anything wrong. And with all of the checking, really, with all of the questions that Rabbi Shmuel was asking her and the banter back and forth to verify what the halachic shayla was, Amrlo, she then recalled something, which is, Rebbe, what did she say? Nida Oh, you're right. I forgot. There was a woman of mine who was a friend. She was helping me with the yarn and she was Taka Anida. So then the Gemara says, How amazing is it? How wise are the Chachamim? Who made the rule that if you're focusing on this thing in your heart, then we can assume that the item is Tahor. But if a woman is not focused on whether or not there should be Tahara in this case, she'll make an error. They were absolutely right. Shuv Maisa, another story, another similar story that happened with Rabbi Shmuel. Amr Lo, a woman approached him and said, Rabbi, this napkin, this small handkerchief, I made it bitara. And very similarly, she said, yes, I don't remember anything that I did wrong, but I also didn't have my heart in, in it. I was just kind of making, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about Tara. So then he asked a bunch of a bunch of questions to her, and from the back and forth, with all the questions that Rabbi Shmuel asked her to verify what the question was. By the way, this is the skill of the rub. The rub has to know that people don't always ask Shilohs correctly. There's a way to ask a Shiloh. And if you don't know how to ask a Shiloh, it's the burden of the rub to clarify what the Shiloh actually is. And sometimes that is really difficult because sometimes people don't even know what to ask. So Rebbe did his job as a posik and he asked a whole slew of questions. And then she remembered, oh, Amra Lo, she said, Rebbe, you're right. Nima, there was one thread, Nifsikovali, that tore in the middle of my of my sewing this. And what did I do? Ukshartiha bipeh. 
and I tied a knot with my teeth, right? So she, whatever, she tied it a little bit and with, like she kind of pulled on it with her teeth and her fingers, but she was a nida. And the rok, the saliva of a nida is mitama. So says the Gemara, that's what happened. She tied it bepet. Uh, there's a bit of a nuance going on here in the Rishonim that this wasn't at the end of the product. This was before it was the size of three tvachim, not by three tvachim, but it was still moist when she finished. And then that rope can be metame the whole beget. Amar Rabbi Shmuel, the same line that he said to the other woman, at least we assume it's a different woman. How wise are the chachamim? First of the long lines toward the bottom of the page, six lines from the bottom. That if a person really does have intention in their heart to maintain tahara, then we trust them. But that if a person doesn't have in their heart to protect what that from Tuma, then in fact it is Tami, because they were right in this case. What do we see with these two cases of Rabbi Shmuel? We see with these two cases of Rabbi Shmuel that he was right, that there was actual Tuma. But what about the first three cases that we presented? Case number one that we presented is a man's hat fell off, and I asked you to pick it up. Case number two was the case of um, where I wear my Shabbos clothes on Sunday. And case number three is one woman swapped clothes with another. In those three cases, there was no practical evidence that any Tuma took place. So what is it that the Chachamim are saying is the case over there? Rabbi Shmuel doesn't seem to say that. Rabbi Shmuel only unearthed the Tuma status for this, for this woman in one case because her friend undid the yarn and the friend was Anita. In the other case, she was Anita and there was Rok. She, she, she tied something with her teeth and there was saliva on. So when there's real Tuma, there should be a problem. But why do the three cases that we started with show that there's Tuma even when there's no actual Tuma? It's completely theoretical. So the Gemara answers this question or tries to at least five lines from the bottom. And we go through each of the three cases that we started. <laughs> I understand the third case that we learned above, where the two women shared hooks next to one another in the Beis Amerchats and they switched clothing because there it wasn't that there was no concern of Tuma. There was Tuma there. What happened? <laughs> My friend, her husband's not such a ben Torah. He doesn't know the halacha. And each of these women were benos Torah who were married to men who were amaratsim. We're, halavai, we should be the Amaratzim of old. I'm not, don't, let's not get too cocky here. We're not talking about our generation. They're still very wise people. They were, the concern was, what was their level of Tuma Vitara Shmira? We don't know. But because each of these women were married to men who were Amaratzim, so therefore, all, all of a sudden, it became time. Once I know that my friend, once this woman knows that her friend's husband is Namaratz, and when she goes home, she's like, this dress is a size too small because I took somebody else's dress. Oh no, I swapped with her. Oh, forget it. My clothes are tummy. Why? Because her husband's an Amaris. Her friend's husband's an Amaris. So it's, of course, going to be tummy. Also, the second case we learned, the Rabbiona's son, four lines from the bottom, Ben Amram, his case also, where a person wore the Shabbos clothing into Sunday, unbeknownst to him. Nami, in that case too, because people are a little bit more conscientious and cautious about their Shabbos clothes. Therefore, once he realizes that he's wearing his, uh, once he, even if he doesn't realize, excuse me, if he, even if he doesn't realize he's wearing his Sunday, is is Shabbos clothes, but Lamaisa it's Sunday, he's less careful, and therefore Mesach Daiti Minaihu. So that case too. What case do we really not understand? A guy's hat falls on. This happens all the time. Somebody's scarf falls, somebody's glove fall, falls, and as a nice gesture, you reach over and pick it up. All of a sudden, it becomes tummy. So the Gemara says three li- two lines from the bottom, Elo the Rabbiona son, Ben Elazar. The first case we learned where I'm wearing a turban and it falls off of my head, and Navi Why can't I rely on my friend to pick it up? And why do I have to assume that he's tummy? I understand the other cases. By the case of the women, you would say that our husbands are Amiharats. By the case of the Shabbos clothing, there's Shimur Tfei by Shabbos and by Wite. But come on, they just, my glove fell. What is the big deal? So says the Gemara. The Gemara says on the very last line of Chafam Adalim, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Chazaka, Wow. 
the Gemara says that there's an assumption that you cannot watch my stuff without there being a level of Tumah. Seemingly, my level of Shmira on my items are, uh, are, is a better Shmira than your, your Shmira on my items. Says the Gemara below. Is that really true? Turning to the top of Chafamad Beis, toward the end of the second parak, the Gemara says, well, Tanya, I'll show you a case where I rely on my friends and Tumah does not kick in. The camel drivers or the donkey drivers and my workers to Unan uh, Taros. They're uh, schlepping stuff for me and they're carrying stuff that's Taros. It's just me and you, we're hanging out. Uh, you're in a different uh, car- carriage than I am, but you have my Taros. So, even though the difference between my chariot and yours is approximately a meal, a little bit less than a mile. So, says the Gemara, what's the status of the Taros? Taros of Tahoros. Oh, so the Brisa seems to indicate that if you're my friend and you're watching my tahoros, what is the din? The din is that they're still tahor. What does that show you? That friends can help friends, unlike the assumption of the Gemara on the bottom of, of Chafa Aleph. The Brisa continues, although this is not really relevant to us right now. If I say to you, you know what, just go. I got a few things left to do in the house. Take the tahoros and go. I'm not traveling one mil behind you. I'm coming an hour later. You're on your own. I'll come later. So then the Gemara says, Once a person disappears, once you as my friend disappear from my sight, instantly to Haros of Timaeus. So we see that there are times that we rely on friends and there are times that we can't rely on friends. And asks the Gemara, what is the difference between the Resha and the Seifa? Maishna Resha, Maishna Seifa. Why is it that in the Resha, when I am uh, less than a meal behind you, so then all of my Taros that are with you are Tahor, but when I am leaving 20 minutes later and you're way ahead of me, then we say that everything is going to be Tamin. <clears throat> so the Gemara responds, Amar of Yitzchak Navcha, Resha b'metahir chamarav u'fa'alav l'kach. In the first case, I made everybody go to the mikvah the camel driver, the donkey driver, whoever it is, and all my workers, guys, hop in the mikvah, we're dealing with taros today. Says the Gemara, well, if that's true of the Reisha, you probably did the same thing in the Seifa, Yahi Seifa Nami, that doesn't make sense. It can't be that the guys in the, in the Reisha of the Mishnah went to the mikvah for taros and the guys in the Seifa did, and of course they did. Says the Gemara, Einam ha'aretz makbed al maga chavero. Yeah, maybe, but these workers are ame ha'aretz, and they are not conscientious about what they touch. Says the Gemara, I don't understand what that means. If in the Seifa you're concerned that he's an Amaharetz and he touches everything, in the Reisha it's the same guys. It's the same workers. They went to the Mikvah and they're Amaharetz. If you're concerned about one thing, you should be concerned about the other. If you're concerned that in the Reisha they went to the Mikvah and therefore in the Seifa they didn't, that doesn't make sense. Of course they both went to the Mikvah. So here too, says the Gemara, must be that, that uh, in the Reisha as well, they're touching the food. So says the Gemara, yeah, but the Reisha has something unique going for it. Why is it that in the Reisha, we said the case was that you have to be only a meal distance from my chariot to yours, says the Gemara, the owner, the person, me, I'm the Ben Torah, and the, the worker is an Amharetz. He, if I'm traveling behind him a meal, he never knows when I'm going to show up. I might take a shortcut. I might come in galloping in and speed up and catch up to him. He always has a, a little Yerashamayim, and therefore he's not going to mess around. He's not going to touch the Tahoros the tahros if he's tummy. How says the Gemara, if that's true, that he can just show up out of the blue, he's safe on that should also be true by the same. You can show up out of the blue, and then therefore uh, we should assume that it, it's going to be uh, no problem at all. Yet the Seifa still says that if I leave 10 minutes after you, you're way ahead of me. So the halacha should be that it's tummy. Says the Gemara, cave unto Amar Lahu. Once he says to them, once the Balabais, the Ben Torah says to the workers, Lahu, you guys go. I'm coming later. They know that he's not within reach of them, not by taking a shortcut and not by galloping ahead. He's just very far behind. And all of a sudden, they're going to do whatever 
whatever they see fit, and they may touch the tarot and make things tummy. So Bikitzer, we rejected this idea of the Gemara. We, we wanted to say that friends can't help friends, and the answer is it really does depend. When there is a little Yerashamayim, when I'm within reach of you, and you know that I'm in charge, it's kind of like the principles we have by Ashkachav, Nechnas So today I did a bris in Champagne, uh, in Champaign-Urbana. And I remember I've done this, there's a hillel down there. So the, the an Orthodox family down there, they're all part, part of the community. Everyone after the next was had a PhD in something special, everybody. So, um, and I, I saw there was an OU, I remember from years ago, there was an OU little thing that says that the food is all kosher. So it happened to have been out of, out of date. I uh, wasn't about to go collect their funds and put it in my other pocket because that's how I get paid. But it was, in fact, uh, out of date. It raised a good shiloh. But anyways, how does hashkacha like that work? So some places have nichnas viyotze, like Dunkin' Donuts. They have nichnas viyotze. They're not there all the time, but there's a little yerashamayim. They can show up at any time. If you have any ingredients in there that are mamish, uh, a problem, you'll lose your hashkacha. And they would never want to do this. So that's what nichnas, so here too, nichnas viyotze. They constantly have a, a low level of fear. And because of that, when they're within reach, when they're within a meal, that's why we say that we trust a friend over there. But really, we don't trust friends in a vacuum. Hadran Allah, Ein Dorshin. This brings us to the end of Perak Sheni Hiratzon. We should finish the rest of Shas together and come back to this page in seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. Says the next Perak in an opening Mishnah, one that's very similar to the Mishnah that we learned on Dafir Chesam Advez, a Mishnah that's all about Tuma Vitara, but in particular focused in on the distinctions between Truma, which is one level of Tuma and Tara, and the level of Kodesh, which has to do with Korbanos, uh, with the meat of Korbanos. There are different levels, and the Kodesh is a higher level. And as we'll see throughout this Mishnah, with about seven or eight different examples, we'll finish this Mishnah at the top and then we'll stop. Um, so let's just learn this Mishnah. We'll learn, we'll learn uh, in the coming days all of the details about this Mishnah. Says the new Perak, Perak Shlishi, Chomer Kodesh, and Chafam Bez, third of the two thirds of the way down, uh, halfway down actually. Chomer Ba Kodesh Mi Betruma. We are we have more of a stringency with Kodesh, with meat that's for Korbanos Mi Betruma from vegetables and produce that have to do with Truma. Shemat Bilin Kalim Besoch Kalim Latruma. When it comes to Truma, you can put one Kli within another Kli. You know, sometimes when you go to the Kalim, but you dump 40 forks into the, into the crate and hope none of them fall through and then slowly cascade their way down to the bottom. Because I actually know a story of someone who literally dropped a fork and fell in headfirst into the Kalim Mikvah and Tui, feet dangling in the air because he dropped a fork. So please be careful. Uh, his feet slipped, the floor was wet, great story. And it happened to the most perfect of people because he's a little clumsy. So it just made the story fantastic. Great scene. Anyways, <laughs> that's what the Gemara says, that by Truma, you can do multiple kalim at once. But had it been that it was for Kodesh, that's not allowed. There we have a more strict level of Allah the Kodesh. When it comes to, to utensils that will be used for Kodesh, we don't rely on general rules of tefillah. We have a, a more strict line. And therefore, you have to, uh, one at one thing at a time, one kli at a time, that's how the tefillah has to be done. Achoraim v'toch u'besa the outside of a, the kli, the inside of the kli, and the besat svita. We're not going to translate today what besat svita means. We'll have the opportunity to learn about this later. So those are true betruma. That each of these items is considered separate as it relates to truma, avalo bekodesh. But when it comes to kodesh, they're all treated as one entity. We'll discuss this in the Gemara. <clears throat> not today. Hanosei asa medris, a person who's carrying that which is tamitumas medris, he can also carry nosei asa truma. That's fine. 
Remember, you're carrying something which is medrus, right? You're not sitting on it, you're carrying it, so it's not the same thing. And therefore, because it's not actually matame, so no seyasa chuma. But when it comes to kodesh, we have a higher threshold, a higher sensitivity, I should say, of aloha kodesh. You cannot carry that which is tumas, tame tumas medrus, and then also uh, hold that which is kodesh. Big day ochle chuma. The clothes of those who eat truma, they're considered medras the Kodesh, because the people of truma are only sensitive to that level, they're sent to the third level of Kedusha. So therefore, they those same clothes cannot be treated uh, as they would want to be treated for Kodesh. We treat them as Tame Tumas Medras. And then the Mishnah says, some of this sounds very repetitive, lo kimidas kodesh midas truma. The measure of sanctity of, of this uh, Kodesh level is different and greater than that of Truma. Shebe Kodesh, when it comes to a Kli that you're using for Kodesh, Matir, you have to untie that Kli, Umenagev, and then you have to dry it, and then Umatbil, and then you can tovalit Be'achar Kach Kosher, and then you can retie it. Uvitruma, but when it comes to truma, still you don't you, you have to still tobel everything, but kosher va'achar kach matbil, but you can still keep everything tied. This comes up as a shaila by chatzitza with uh, with hair. Let's say that a, a woman has to go to the mikvah, but her hair is in dreadlocks or her hair is in very tight braids. So that's a that's a real shaila. That's a real shaila. So some of the chasidish poskim, that's where some of the minhagim came for shaving ones. One head, one's head, because we want to make sure that there's no chatzitza of hairs tied in knots. So when women have super curly hair, it's very, very difficult. Um, I know people like this, and they've asked Shilas like this. They have to like iron their hair and like really brush it out very carefully because if the hair is tied in a knot, the Gemara we learned this. The Gemara says that if the hair is tied in three knots, it's not a chatzitza. Sorry, if three hairs is tied in a knot, that is not a chatzitza. If one hair is tied in a knot, that is a chatzitza. And two hairs, the Gemara says any odea. So, okay, that's, uh, that, that, these are real shilas. So here, what we're talking about is not the type of knot that causes for a chatzitza because that would just be inherently problematic. So it's loose enough that the water can get there um, and therefore uh, it would be kosher in the mikvah. But that level of water access in a tied knot is insufficient for kodesh. Let's say that a person's making a kli, and once they get to the point when it's actually a kli, and therefore susceptible to tuma, so then if it's done bitara, if that makibapatish step is done bitara, great, no problem. However, there it doesn't matter. When it comes to kodesh, we still need to stick it in the mikvah of truma, another distinction. If you have a kli in which there is food that is kodesh, all the pieces are mitzarev. All of them have the same halachic status, but that's not true by truma. As well, we know this idea that there is an avatuma and a rishon atuma and sheni latuma. When it comes to truma, there's also a sensitivity of shlishi latuma, but uh, no other foods really have that. However, when it comes to kodesh, kodesh is the most sensitive. So let's say that I touch an avatuma, it makes me a rishon. I touch something else, that thing becomes, that thing becomes a sheni. I touch something else, that thing becomes, becomes a shlishi. So for me as a regular non-Kohen, that shlishi is completely irrelevant. But for someone who eats truma, it can be metame in a shlishi. And for kodesh, even a revi. And that's quote, quoted here in the Gemara, six lines from the bottom. A revi ba kodesh pasal. A fourth derivative of tuma can create a psul in kodesh meat. So that means I'm even a revi la tuma. I'm very, very far removed, four iterations away four degrees of separation from the actual avatum, it doesn't matter. The sensitivity of food uh, that is Kodesh is so sensitive that it even will become tame with the fourth um, fourth uh, level away from the avatuma. Vashlishi vitruma. And the truma is only going to be matame up to the third level. But if there was something that was a revi'i vituma, that would not be matame food that is truma. <clears throat> 
in regards to Truma, if one person's hand um, became Tame, so if your left hand becomes Tame, we don't assume your right hand becomes Tame. However, even if one hand became Tame by Kodesh, we would tovel both hands. We instantly assume that the right hand is Metame, the left, even if they don't make each other Tame halachically, we assume that that's the case of Allah, but Truma, different halachos by Truma. There's a little duplicative language here. It says, and then it says, a little bit of extra words here. We'll, uh, we'll get to this later. Two lines from the bottom. The Gemara says, Ochlin, Ochlim neguvim, you can eat foods that are dried, even if your hands are tummy with chuma. We know, of course, that foods are not susceptible to tuma unless they have one of the seven liquids that are touching them. They're, they're mukhshar for that. And as well, just as a reminder, like we learned yesterday, it has to be with intentionality that they are wet. It has to be bichi yutan. You have to desire that there should be water on them. And this was our case yesterday. If the apple falls in and you reach in and grab it, it doesn't make the apple tummy. I, after all, it's all wet. It's true. But the halachos of tuma are not like formulaic in this, like, oh, there's water, there's tuma. It's not like that. It has to be the chiyutan. You have to have desired for it to be wet in order for the tuma to transfer. But that's not true when it comes to kodesh. When it comes to kodesh, even if that which you're eating, which you're holding is tame, but dry, you still can't touch it to kodesh because that would then make it tame, albeit on a very, very low level. And lastly, for today, on the top of Chafal Fahmad Aleph, Ha'onenu Mechusar Kippurim. If you have an Onen, as someone who is in the intermediate phase between the death of an immediate family member and the burial of that immediate family member, Umechusar Kippurim, someone who is Mechusar Kippurim, that's a Zav, Zava, Mitzorah, and Yoled, that's one of those four people. Uh, uh, the Zav, Zava is the male and female who have these discharges that make them into a Zav or Zava. Different discharges for women, it's dam, and for men, it's its own type of discharge, different than zera, and it's not blood either. And the mitzora uh, as well, zav zera mitzora and yoledes, and a woman who gives birth. All of them tzrichin tefila the kodesh. They all need to make sure that they go to the mikvah for kodesh. Aval lo truma, but that's not true in regards to truma. And tomorrow we'll start digging into all of these cases. A reminder again, tomorrow we'll, we'll learn Daf Chafalif and Chav Bezim Aleph. And then on Thursday night, we'll learn Chav Bezim and Bezim Chav Gimel. And on Shabbos, we'll learn just one Daf, which is Daf Chav Dalid. And uh, we'll stop at that mission on the bottom of Chav Dalid and then pick up again Sunday. So that's the course for the week. Wishing you all a beautiful night.